This is episode number 172 of the Rising Man podcast with Damian Nordman. A fixed mind is a dead one. Welcome back, Rising Man family. Thank you for joining me here today. Jetty Azuma checking in again behind the mic. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for spending time with our Rising Man community. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to encourage you to go to risingman.org and check out all the different amazing opportunities we have for you to get involved in our community and to challenge yourself to level up. What is it that you were focused on for 2021 and what's keeping you from getting there? I guarantee you we got something to help you out with that. So go to risingman.org, see what calls you and get yourself enrolled today. All right, folks, my guest for today is Damian Nordman. Damian is a business coach, mindset coach, and mentor to superheroes. He works with Dharmapreneurs, entrepreneurs whose businesses are unique expressions of their higher purpose, to help them align with the superhero success laws for greater impact and profitability. He coaches people to transform their money story to achieve six-figure incomes and live the most authentic and embodied life possible. In this episode, Damian walked us through the four essential keys for mastering self-value. We talked about fixation versus focus, how vision evolves over time and is not a fixed property. We discussed the difference between externalizing value and internalizing value, and why understanding authorship in the way we assign value is important. We talked about getting to the bottom of what self-birth and self-love is all about, including learning how to receive and how old belief patterns have blocked us from growing and receiving what we need. Damien reminded us of the value of gratitude and how bringing daily thanksgiving into our lives can transform everything within and around us. And lastly, we discussed mastering expectations and building trust in yourself in order to navigate any adversity and hardship. Without further ado, Damian Nordman. All right, Rising Man family, I've got another amazing man joining me here today, Mr. Damian Nordman coming in live from Louisville, <laughs> Kentucky. I got that right? <laughs> oh, there's like seven different ways to say it. Louisville, 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 Louisville. <laughs> I was educated by a native Louisvillian that if you're not saying it like, like you've got marbles in your mouth, then it ain't right. <laughs> That's probably the most common way it's pronounced. Yeah. Got it, man. I think you're our first guest who's been on from Louisville because I would have remembered doing that here on our intro before. But anyway, man, honored to have you here. Really excited for what you have to share. For those people who don't know you yet, one of the things that you are known for are your superhero success laws, which there's 13 of them. 13 of them. Yep. (laughs) So we don't quite have enough time to dive into all of those. You guys should go and definitely give Damien a follow and get to know more of what all of those laws are about. But we're going to jump into some really important ones especially for the guys out there. Let's start with this though, just for context purposes. I always like to ask this question for you, Damien, what does it mean to be a man? (laughs) Oh man. You know, I think probably one of the biggest things about being a man for me is evolution and growth Mm -hmm. because I don't feel like I was taught very well how to be a man by my dad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's some things he's definitely manly in certain ways, but I feel like for me, being a man, evolution, growth, being willing to take risks, being willing to be vulnerable, being willing to develop myself in ways that's just been huge. I mean, I started at the School of Metaphysics as a student when I was 18 years old in 1994. And, you know, that helped me to 
set a good foundation that life is for growth, right? Growth mindset and that I've got to be adapting. I've got to be changing. I think as men, and I'm totally in this category, we can get so fixated, right? We can get so mm. locked in. I mean, the masculine is so stable and it's so driven, it's so directional and so linear and it's valuable. But I think also being able to be flexible and moldable and in that directionality, be more spiraling so there can be this transformation that happens periodically. To me, that's so important. And I'll always yeah. be doing that as I deepen my masculinity, as I deepen you know, which I have, you know, for sure gone deeper with it. But I think it's so important to keep that growth happening. I agree, man, that there's something I always share with guys that what you just said reminded me of. I think of this previous generation of men who I believe were very anchored in a part of what the best of masculinity is, not a full, thorough, complete version of masculinity, but just a part of it was this culture of getting fixated on a target and pursuing that target for 30 to 35 years and chasing retirement, the carrot at the end of the stick, so to speak. And the part of that that translated over that I know I experienced when I was in my mid-20s was this idea that I must identify my purpose, I must identify my vision, and then I will take that vision and I will etch it into like a concrete slab like Moses with the Ten Commandments, and then I'll never have to think about it again. Yeah. And all I have to do is chase it like a bloodhound for the next 30 to 40 years of my life. And I remember personally experiencing a lot of suffering around that, a lot of suffering around, well, what is it? And a little bit of this indecision meltdown where, well, if I choose this one, then I can never go back to this. And it's like, I can never go back. I can never mold or flex or adapt or even transform it into something that I've never even seen before that I couldn't possibly imagine now. And I think this is also some of the messaging that is still being delivered, maybe not as much as 10, 15 years ago, but the idea of going to college and picking a major for something that you'll do for the rest of your life. I think I just looked up the statistic recently that only a quarter of people who graduate from their major actually get a job that has anything to do with their major or their degree. Yeah. I mean, I mean what you're saying, I feel like is so spot on. There, there's been so much of that. Again, it becomes almost to me like fixation rather than focus and so much of, like you said, that the previous generation, there's so, certainly there's always that value of being focused. But like you said, if you're not, if you're so fixated on a purpose or your idea of what your purpose is, that you miss those opportunities and you miss what's coming from within. And I think that might be, I think the thing that's so critical, I think for men is to be able to go within. I'm a big proponent of I believe we are a soul, right? I believe we are spirit. I believe we are Atman. We are I am. We're not these physical bodies. We express through these physical bodies all of that great stuff and our masculinity. But to get fixated on something out here, even like an idea of a great purpose, even if it's a cool purpose, or even if it's pretty resonant at the time, if that shifts, if something shifts inside of us and that's not as relevant or it's not quite the right way to go, it's time to change. Especially when you're in your 20s or I mean, regardless of age, let's just say you're in that stage of development where you're still figuring out what it is that lights you up, that is compelling enough for you to fight for it every day for the rest of your life. There's no way you could possibly anticipate the circumstances or how things are going to go or what you're going to value five years, 10 years, 20 years down the line even what the world's going to look like. I mean, 10 years ago, or let's see, I'm 33 now. So yeah, 10 years ago, I graduated graduate school from a physical therapy. 
And I could have never anticipated that the world would look the way that it does right now. There are some things that we could have predicted, right? But I would have never guessed some of the things would happen. And the things that I value now, some of them are still consistent, but others have evolved and taken shape and taken form. I wouldn't say there's been in any major 180s in my life in terms of what I value over the last 10 years. And maybe that's a good segue into this conversation of value and self-value, what we value for ourselves. But there has definitely been some transformation of that idea of a vision and what it gets to look like on a day-to-day basis. And then over the course of years going on into the future. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying about how much things have changed in 10 years, again, I'm 45 and I look back on growing up like in the eighties. Right. And it's like, holy shit. I mean, the amount of things in the world that have changed technology, socially, Mm. politically, consciousness of the planet around health. And I mean, so many things, and it's going to, I think it's just going to keep accelerating. I really, I mean, that's my belief and, and I, the evidence is there. So yeah, I mm-hmm. think it's going to keep happening faster. I agree. Well, let's take that root word value. Cause this is what I've come to believe is that the first thing that any boy must do in his pursuit of becoming a man is set himself out into the world and truly discover what it is that he values. Mm. And I think the way to experience that is by being out in the world, by witnessing the values that other people have, watching people live a life where they're prioritizing money and finances and investments and watching other people prioritize relationships and seeing what happens for other people who choose to live their lives that way. And ultimately coming away from it like a big research experiment and then integrating that data into, well, what do I value? What is the way I want to design my life based on the things that I give priority and importance to? So what is your perspective, first of all, on that? On just, uh, I guess, a personal code of value, maybe because I know we want to talk about self-value, but I think it's important first to acknowledge and address the things that we externalize, the value we have outside of ourselves and what level of importance we put on those things. Man, we could go so deep with this. We could go so far with it because value, I think, being able to explore value is a key to a lot of things and particularly one's wealth in life. And you could talk about wealth in different ways. Of course, we could talk about financial wealth. We could talk about wealth and relationships, health and our wealth. But, you know, I do this kind of with some of my clients all the time of like, just asking them like, what is wealth? What is money? What is value? What do you value? And if you think about it, to kind of go maybe along the lines of what you're saying, when you look at what people pay for, right? What are the things people are paying for in the world? Because money, I feel like is a representation of value, meaning, you know, obviously we pay certain amounts of money for different things based upon what we value, right? It's like we, one person, I might not pay $1,000 for something that you say, wow, this is a bargain, right? This is like something I totally want, I totally need. And that could be a service. It could be an, an item. It could be, you know, something that you want, like a car or a, a thing that makes your life easier, like a device or something. It could be coaching, right? It could be any number of things. But I think being willing to assess value is so important. And that can be both from this more external monetary standpoint or looking at what other people are valuing. And then of course, taking that back to what do I value? Whether that's, you know, this list of values, integrity and strength and happiness or whatever, you know, those sort of things, or just looking at honestly, like what have I spent my money on? What have I spent my time on? 
because those are going to show you what we value. Sometimes we're not conscious of like, I'm like, wow, I just spent, you know, an hour or more binge watching this show. It's like, okay, well, I must value something about this. Otherwise (laughs) I wouldn't have done it. Now, do I want to be conscious of that? And I like shift that up or is there something that I'm getting from this enough that it's going to make my life you know, more useful in some way. So this is really important. I think this conversation of value has a lot to do with personal authority. And I always like to talk about the root word author, authorship, who's writing the story around what matters here when it comes to how we assess and interpret value. For example, a hundred dollar pair of Nikes. How do we know it's a hundred dollar pair of Nikes? Well, Nike created this product and assessed the market and and over time created a window of what that sneaker's valued at. And because they valued it at that amount, there's a certain amount of people who will buy it and that allows that company to stay in business and the economy dictates the value of that. Especially as children, as we're growing up in an economic-based and a dollar-based system, we look at things with this reference point. Okay, well, these things cost this amount of money because someone said so. And that's the part where it's like, well, let's really look at that for a second. Have you ever really looked at who told you that pair of shoes is $100? And if that's somebody's assessment, then that's all that is. How much do you value that pair of shoes at? Because I could look at that pair of shoes and say, man, I wouldn't pay more than 50 bucks for that pair of shoes. That's what I would value that at. Or you know what? That's a really nice pair of shoes. I would pay $300 for that pair of shoes. That's something I want. But just that simple mindset shift that oh, I have a voice in this. There's not some sort of universal master up in the clouds who's determining all of the different values we can assign to different things. And then moving on from just the material, the value that we put on ourselves, the value I put on my beliefs, the value I put on my values, the things that I hold to be true. I get to make those as important as I desire them to be. But by default, If we're operating from that child, that boy, that more um, premature adolescent mindset, we're looking for someone else to assess the value of things. And I think that's an important threshold that we get to cross that I know guys in their 30s, 40s and 50s who haven't crossed that threshold. They're still looking for somebody to tell them how much they're worth. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You're hitting so many good points. This is so much fun. I always appreciate someone who I can dialogue with this, you know, on this level And just what you're saying about how so much of this has been established by other people, right? Values have been established by other people. And of course, we're using some very material examples like the pair of Nikes, right? Because you can easily wrap your mind around that. But I think we could take that to any direction. We could take that again into one's self-value. And are you playing out values that your dad or your mom or your family, your church, your religion, your schooling, your your family unit, you know, the bigger family unit or, or your, the city or the country that you're in. In the U.S., there's things that we tend to value. You go to another country, not the same. Values, you know, are often radically different or subtly different depending on where you go. So I think that this is like an infinitely valuable topic to explore Absolutely. So let's turn it inwards now, right? Because that's kind of a fun example to play around with, you know, the whole Nike $100 pair of shoes thing. But 
let's talk about personal value, like the, the value that we put on self-value, self-worth, because this, and I'll be honest with you, man, I'm that guy who gets tired very quickly of people overusing terms once they get thrown out and blown up in the personal development community. So self-love, people selling self-love just drives me nuts. And if I have to hear somebody say, you know, your self-worth one more time, I'm going to like, you know, go crazy. So I want to always reduce it down to what we're actually talking about here, because I think people can lose sight of what is actually the message. So if you stripped away all the BS, we cut away the fat, what is this conversation really about and why does it matter? Well, okay. So I am going to talk, I'll talk about what I call the law of wealth and worth, because there's four kind of components I like to think about. I guess you could say there's five. We've kind of been talking about the first one, which is value and self-value and sort of exploring what that is, because I really believe that we are inherently, infinitely valuable. If you look at yourself as a spiritual being or like yourself as like a God self, what's the value of a soul or of God, right? It's infinite. There's no cap to that. However, we are living in this physical world. And so you have to like translate that and be honest about how much of that am I actually able to work with and to be able to understand and to give and receive? So there's four other kind of factors to this that I like to talk about. The first one is giving, right? So what am I giving to people? What am I offering? Is my value based only on like some physical labor that I can do and like how many widgets I can make? Or is my value based on other things I can give, my ingenuity, my ability to innovate, my communication skills, my emotional intelligence, my ability to love people, my ability to inspire people. What other kinds of things, qualities, characteristics, and talents and skills and abilities do I have that I can give, right? Because that's so important. I think especially men, and I think for those who are listening who are younger, this is probably more true, but you know, I know a lot of older men who are in the same boat where they haven't found what they want to give, or they gave something for a long time and it became obsolete. And I think of like coal miners and truck drivers, you know, people who are automation and new technologies are replacing those people. And that's going to keep happening. You know, that's been happening for a while. So going deeper with recognizing like, what do you have to give? And if you haven't tapped that, if you haven't explored that in some new ways, and like you said, I feel like you said it beautifully, this whole thing of going out in the world and having new experiences and observing and, and connecting, and you have to have that to even draw it out of you. So I'll pause there for a moment, see what you think. But just that's the first one is what are we giving? What comes up for me is I just keep coming back to this fixation mindset, like we alluded to earlier. I think of one of the stories that I love because I remember growing up as a kid and that's what happens as kids, right? Is we look for certainty because that's where we can rest our comforts and our security and like, okay, this is how this works all the time. So I can just lock that in and forget about it. One of my favorite examples, I always use nature as a reference for so many other things in life. And I remember watching a video maybe about a year ago and it showed a deer who had come across some carrion, some dead animal. I don't even know what it was. Video of a deer eating the brains of this animal that had been left behind. And I remember watching that and everything in my brain I've ever learned in my 30 plus years is like, this is wrong. What's wrong with this deer? Don't do this. Deer are herbivores. They eat plants. They eat leaves. Duh. And the caption in the video was explaining that, hey, when you're out in nature and if you're not getting nutrients where you need them, animals do what they need to do. 
And so I just remember that being like, wow, I spent my whole life thinking that this is what deer do. But I think it reflects this idea of adaptability. And what I heard you saying about these guys out there who are having jobs and occupations that are being replaced by automation and new technology, you have to have the ability to adapt, evolves into something different, especially at the speed of evolution that's happening on our planet right now with technology and science. And I think one of the wounds of the previous generation is that they kind of buried their imagination when they locked themselves into a career. These stories of guys who, you know, they drove a truck for 40 years and then retired. And then what, right? What do you do when that's suddenly taken away from you? And what I see in young guys now, this millennial and Gen Z generation, there's a lot more imagination and willingness to imagine and constantly be rediscovering and redefining the self, but almost at the other end of the spectrum to a detriment where there's nothing solid. <laughs> yeah, where it gets to where it can be all so ethereal and so mental and so intellectual and heady or just, yeah, not grounding it in some kind of practicality. Yeah, I totally get that. You know, I think that it's funny because we keep talking about evolution. We kind of started with that. And that is one of the other laws I teach is the law of evolution. It's that it is that adaptability and that changeability. Like the second thing that I like to talk about with the law of wealth and worth is receiving. If you got giving and what are you giving, right? Because there's a certain amount of value that we find from what we're going to give to the world, give to others that people want, that's tangible enough that people want, that they're going to pay money for. And but then on the other side, there's receiving. It seems like there's like this old thought form in the United States, and it's kind of religious based, like Christian based, but it's permeated the whole society that's better to give than receive. And I really think that's so wrong and that they're equal, right? You need, just like you can't say men are better than women or women are better than men, receiving is just as important as giving. Because if you're not willing to receive guidance from someone, or if someone's like, dude, you're screwing up. You got to like change your shit and you don't receive that and take that in. Or if you're, or just subtle hints from like the universe or from the situations you're in, let alone receiving value from something, money or opportunities, like when they come our way or even just compliments or criticisms or whatever, we're inherently receiving beings. Like we have five senses and what do we do with them? We receive through them. You can't see without having light coming in and you're receiving it into your eye or sound waves through the air coming into our ears or the touch of someone's embrace or hand or lips on your skin. If you're not receiving it, you're not processing it. It's not benefiting you. So that's like a second huge part of this wealth and worth is are you willing to receive? Yeah, which again, goes back to a previous generation, I would say an older version of traditional masculinity. And I, you know, I'll put the air quotes on that, even though most people won't be able to see that. Because I think even just that masculine energy is a very penetrative energy, right? It's an energy that's going out, whereas a feminine is more of a receptive energy. And I don't want to go into a masculine feminine conversation, but just the nature of masculine energy going out and feminine energy coming in, there's been a natural resistance to receive anything in. I've talked to some guys and when you get underneath it, there's this underlying fear of sexual penetration that has blocked a lot of receiving and just kind of eliminating that from our mindset, right? The fear of like, for some reason, there's some fear ingrained in men of that happening and that we need to see the connection to why we won't receive things, why we won't let things in. 
right? It's a letting things in, whether that's allowing money to come into your bank account or that's allowing wisdom to come in from a trusted source and mentor or just allowing new information to come in from the external environment. If we don't have that reciprocal energy to the giving, then it blocks that cyclical nature of life, right? There's a give and a receive to everything. Life is given and it's taken. And we have to be able to honor that. I know that receiving is a really big thing for men. I know it's been a big thing for me. What do you think specifically it is for men in your experience that we need to look at differently or consider differently when it comes to receiving? Oh, such a great question. I feel like you were hitting on it with what you were saying about how men, you know, the masculine energy is so aggressive, assertive, penetrative, that sort of thing. But I think just to think about like this for just a moment, right? To just pause for a moment and consider that the greatest men throughout history were willing to receive more than everybody else. Now that could be, I don't care if you're talking about spiritual masters like Jesus and Gautama and how they received divinity and they became enlightened masters. I don't care if you're talking about the wealthy men throughout, you know, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and these, you know, all these men who created, you know, dynasties and financial empires, they received their genius, they received opportunities, you know, they were willing to receive wealth. I don't care if you're talking about the guy who has the most beautiful woman on their arm. They had to be willing to let that woman in to their sphere and to their heart, right? And to some part of their soul and their connection. So I think for any man listening to just pause for a moment and recognize that until you're ready to allow in more than you have before, And like we both have said, like could be guidance, it could be instruction, it could be feedback, it could be anything, it could be money. You're going to stay the same. And if you're staying the same, you're dying and you're suffering. Interesting, man. I'm really big on language and words too. So while you were saying that, I just quickly looked up the etymology of the word receive. For those who don't know this, re obviously comes from back and the sieve comes from the Latin root capio, which means to take. I also see the word capture in there. So like to take back, to recapture. And it's interesting because even just that word capio, what it evokes in me is like a conquering mentality. And there's this, you know, dialogue that's gone on for centuries now about the patriarchy, right? Like the conquering nature of men. And I know that right now on March 18th, 2021, To be a man in the modern society means watching our footsteps everywhere we go because we don't want to be viewed as conquering, as dominant, as fill in the blank that has long been associated with this. So I I don't know, maybe I'm reading into it too much, but it definitely seems like there's something there because I feel it alive in me when I read that. I'm like, oh, whoa, that's edgy. I don't want to (laughs) be, I don't want to take that on because what's that going to mean about me? What's that going to say about me as a human on this planet trying to recapture and and conquer Mm. and claim something? Yeah. I think though that definitely what you're saying is so true about so much of what has been put out there about masculinity and the capturing and the conquering and all that. But like you said, it's part of our nature. I feel like it's undeniable. And so it's more about, again, understanding something and evolving it versus staying static with it or allowing other, like, just like you said about the accepting those values of what some like a Nike shoe is in our world based upon what a bunch of other people have said 
you know, there's a lot of people, and I think you've talked about this on your show before, like toxic masculinity, all this kind of a stuff that has been focused upon. Of course, whatever we focus on gets bigger. And so in my world, I try to always keep focusing on where do I want my attention to be focused? So what's the highest good I can focus on in anything? And so much of it is this productive joyful, divine, holy masculinity, this understanding of what it means to be a man. And and then with the receiving part, you brought up like to capture again. That's I think that's just part of it. Yeah, cool, man. Well, let's migrate from that because I want to make sure we nail on at least the four keys of mastering self-value. So, so far we've got giving, we've got receiving. Yeah. What are the next two? The next one is so simple. And I know you may have heard this so many times, but I feel like it can never be said enough. And that's gratitude. Gratitude, appreciation, thankfulness, you know, and there are offshoots to that. You know, I think that there's other vibrations like joy and love and a lot of these other things that are similar. But the thing about gratitude that's so powerful is that it's really an honoring of what is. It's honoring and valuing what we already have or who we already are. And if you think about that, because the way I've understood, like, say, how law of attraction works. You know, we draw to us more of what we focus on and more of what we vibrate and more of what we think about because you become what you think about, whether you like it or not. So if you're focusing on the things you don't have and like, oh, I don't have this yet. Oh, I don't have this yet. And you're in this like lower vibe state of lack and scarcity, you're just going to push more things away. But when you're saying, man, I'm so grateful that I have this amazing house or this amazing apartment or this amazing car or this amazing opportunity or my job that I have right now, or this business I'm creating, or even just saying, you know, I'm so grateful that I have the ability to think clearly and to form desires. It can go any direction. It doesn't matter if it's mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, but when we're focusing on what we have, we're magnifying that and we're magnifying the vibration of receiving more, being more. And so it really is, I found it's an inevitability that when you can focus on gratitude, you will be more valuable, you will feel more valuable and you will receive more abundance into your life. Yeah, here's my perspective on this. I love gratitude, man. It is absolutely 100% transformed my life. I'll say that right off the bat. And gratitude is very easy when there's a lot to be grateful for and things are going well. Right. It's easy to be grateful for. Thank you, creator, for all the money I have in my bank account. Thank you for presenting to me a beautiful woman to build a life with. I thank you so much for this child that was just born into my life. Thank you for the sun. But gratitude takes on a whole nother level and value and meaning and purpose when we can be grateful for things when they're not so good, when they're grateful for the challenges, grateful for the hardship, grateful for pain. Just want to invite people who are listening for a moment. When was the last time you thanked the pain and the challenge in your life? Woke up and started with that. That's so good. And I was in a depression five years ago. Like I was in a fucking, uh, I don't know if I can curse on your show. Can I I say what I want? Fuck yeah. Okay. Fucking, (laughs) I was in a fucking depression. I actually started before that, but it was like five years ago, I was deep into it for like two and a half years. And It was a combination of being grateful for, yes, those little victories and things that are obvious, but also becoming more and more grateful for all the things that got me to where I was in some of the people who at the time I felt like were kind of shitty people 
or had done some crappy things or had set me up for failure. You know, just going through the litany of problems and people and things that had led me to this dark place. But the gratitude and the focus on the gratitude, like you said, I think what you're saying is like all of it, right? The things that are obviously good and amazing. And some of these things that were like, oh, I can be grateful to this person who, you know, I maybe followed for years and I felt like they led me astray. Wow. I learned so much about my own authority and my interactions with that person. You know, the times when I gave it up, the times when I said, no, I'm doing this, you know, I'm going to stay true to myself. You know, there was a lot of contrast. There was a lot of duality that happened. And now I can say I'm truly grateful for all of it. There was just a lot. And I think anybody listening so important, like you said, to get to that place where you can say thank you for things that maybe have seemed like, man, this sucks ass, but there's some good to it. The universe only brings blessings is what I often say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Three years ago, almost exactly three years ago, I had a serious back injury that brought my whole life to a halt. My son was two years old. I was very active into my martial arts, been an athlete my whole life. And literally overnight, I went from that to not being able to tie my shoes. And this is when I was still very much involved in physical therapy. And so I tried everything I could to resolve that issue. And I was already very deeply along the path of personal development. I'd said to people before, try to be grateful for the pain that you have in your life. And it's not until you have 10 out of 10 pain on a daily basis, 24 seven, that ability to really be grateful is challenged. And I remember, it means this is the only time in my life I can honestly say the thought went through my brain. Maybe it would be easier if I was dead. Maybe this would all be easier and better if I was gone. And I remember just having those days because it was like an 18 month process for me before I really got healed. But I remember those days where I could somehow muster up the energy and the perspective to be grateful for what was happening and trusting that this was not my experience forever, that this was temporary, just like everything else, that I would somehow find my way beyond this. I could be grateful for it. And it was like on a really cloudy day when just all of a sudden there's like a pin poking through the clouds where you just get that one beam of sunlight that hits you right in the eyes. And you're like, okay, the sun is still out there somewhere that gave me so much to be able to be grateful in those moments. Because then here I am, you know, three years later where I'm healed, my back is better. And now I know for one thing, it just gave me like a humility about life and all that stuff I said that was going really well, all that can be gone tomorrow. We all know this. We have tons of stories about this happening. And that if I can be grateful for every challenge that comes my way and expect the challenges to come, not even anticipate, but just expect that those challenges are going to come and that I can meet them with gratitude. Not always, because sometimes you're going to get smacked in the face and punched in the throat and you're just like, this sucks. But I really am an advocate for, yeah, but can you be grateful for even that today? Because someone somewhere out there would love to have your challenge right now instead of theirs. Oh my gosh. So true. I need to have you come on my podcast, the You Are the Superhero podcast, because I feel like we could talk about so many things, but what you're describing right now, when it comes to physical pain and injuries and illnesses and all of that, there's just huge well of opportunity for growth that I think so many people just want to get rid of it. Right? It's just like, just get rid of the pain and like get rid of the experience. 
and not have to deal with it. But I really feel like it's an opportunity for sure. Let me interject one more thing there because it's just really relevant. I have a close friend who in the ceremonial community that I'm a part of and recently prayed for them to have a healing, to release a illness that they've had, a chronic illness. And listening to this person talk about their situation and what they've been through and hearing them say after what was a many years journey, I can only imagine the ups and downs of that whole journey, saying thank you to that illness as a teacher. Thank you for teaching me. Thank you for teaching me about myself and being able to embrace that adversity as a teacher and see it as a teacher. I was like, whoo, that's next level because I'm not going to say anything just confidentiality sake, but we're talking about a pretty serious illness, definitely more disruptive even than a back injury that I had. And to be grateful for that and to see how that, because the perspective that came in for me was even that is an advantage if you choose to look at it that way. That illness gives you something that most other people don't have. Instead of looking at what it's taking away, what does it give you that most other people don't have? That might even go back to this idea of receiving. What is the blessing you can receive from that perceived adversity versus what did it take away from you? Exactly. So true. I just feel like you, yeah, you just hitting the nail on the head for sure. You also brought something up a minute ago. It's actually the fourth step of this whole law of wealth and worth, which is expectation. Because what I've found is that the more we create, the more we can expect the good in our life of what we want. And I think also like what you're saying, you know, expect that there is something good in everything for sure. And that there's a lesson, there's growth, there's a blessing in everything. Well, it's kind of like this. I don't always go quoting the Bible, but there's a parable in in the Bible when Jesus is talking. It's one of my favorite parables. And he he basically, I'm going to like super paraphrase it. It's like this master is leaving and he's giving his servants like money. And he gives like a thousand silver pieces to one and two to the other and five to the other. And he comes back and like the ones who had five and two, they had invested their amount and they doubled it. And the one who only had one just like hit it in the ground and then brought it back to his master. And so obviously the master's like, good job, one and two, you guys did great. And you who didn't invest anything, you know, you're worthless, get out of here. And so then Jesus says to him who has more shall be given to him who has not what little he has will be taken away. And so I think it's so important that we're therefore focusing on the expectation of that highest thought, that highest samadhi, that highest possibility. And in that, I think we can find the good in the situations that are challenging. And also we just naturally start to attract more wealth and abundance. And I'm speaking of wealth, like we've been talking about in this very big sort of way, you know, to us, sometimes that what we're looking for actually is that adversity so we can grow. And sometimes it's the obvious thing of having our business reach six or seven figures or something like that. But I think, yeah, being able to have what we're talking about, this multidimensionality sort of approach to seeing all of this, it's all about what we're, how we're seeing it and then building that expectation from that. Yeah. And, and what I'm hearing in this is the, just the belief that you will be okay. And this is why in the work that I do, which I don't know how much you know about, but we, we take guys out into the wilderness to do four day ceremonial fasts. We we're constantly looking for ways to bring men into their discomfort, to make friends, to befriend and embrace your fears and em- learn to embrace the challenges. Because we know that I know that every time I've stepped through a gauntlet in my life or I've walked through the crucible, 
that I've come out on the other side more confident that, hey, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right because I did that. I'm going to be okay because remember that experience I had where my back was completely wrecked? Yeah, you found your way out of that. And remember that time where you were like five figures in debt and you didn't see a, a way out? You figured that one out too. And having those experiences is what gives us the confidence to move on, but also to trust in just to call it a higher power or something outside of ourselves that is also working in conjunction with our actions and synchronizing itself to our beliefs and the way we hold ourselves. And now I remember even just a few years ago to take a jump off the cliff. I'm taking risks now that I never would have done three, four or five years ago on every level, in a business level, on a financial level, on a relational level, you know, things that I'll say to people that I normally wouldn't have said before because I've developed such a deep trust in myself and I still have a way to go. And I think that's the message I hear in this is being able to trust in yourself and trust outside of yourself Whatever it takes to develop that, there's so many ways you can get there, but how essential that is to be able to lead an extraordinary life, to lead more than just the ordinary, to live outside of the box of life requires taking some risks and seeing how gravity works, <laughs> right? Gravity, <laughs> real life gravity experiments. Oh my gosh, totally. Everything you just said is, I think, so golden for people to hear. And like you said, it's, well... I think since you know you're, a lot of your audience are these men who are looking for their next step or some guidance or some understanding, I think something that I've kind of gone in and out of in my life is understanding that as a man, I do need to take risks. And there's times when I would do it and it's like, oh, this is awesome. I'm pushing my edge. This is thrilling. Of course, there's times when you're just not, that's not the right time, the right, the right timing. That's fine. But then missing those opportunities or resisting them actually has brought me more pain of that avoidance. And then the fallout from resisting those urges to take risks and to trust, you know, to trust myself, to trust my intuition, to trust my guidance has brought a lot more pain and problems and, you know, jacked up relationships or, you know, just whatever it happens to be losing money or losing opportunity or being, you know, all kinds of stuff. But I think that you're really it's nailing it, that it's so important to be ready to, to take that next risk and to be looking for, you know, what is that for me? And I think it is very much an individual process. And a person has to get lined up to say, what is my next big choice or challenge that I'm going to reach for. I know for me, sometimes it's been hard because I'll see other people and I'm like, it's stimulating, but sometimes it's stimulating and I'll think, oh, maybe I should be doing that. And then I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's that person's deal. I need to be over here focused on what's truly important to me and like what's truly you know, we can bring it back around to like what I value. And that is a process. Again, I've been doing self-development work really close to 30 years. And if you count like my teenage years, which I was actually involved in some different things over 30 years, and it never ends. It's like, it's a never end. It's just, it never ends that I have to keep revisiting. I have to keep revising and I have to keep asking myself questions and going another layer deeper, another challenge greater or whatever it happens to be. It just, it's ongoing. I think even to just accept that this is life. 
it's not like something's going to end and it's just going to be like, everything's golden from here on out. And this is perfect. <laughs> just going to cruise on through the rest of my life. That's good. man. I, I could see that uh, we've got much more we could talk about and I'm sure we will talk about in the near future, but it's a good place to put a bookmark in this chapter of our conversation. Before I let you go, I'm going to just hit you with some rapid fire questions and then you can tell us where people can go to find you, follow you, listen to your podcast after that. Sound good? Totally. All right. So I, I've got a few and then I've got some drawn up specially for you. So what is one thing you've learned in your life you wish you knew when you were 18? To trust myself above all else. What are you most grateful for in your life right now? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say friends, coaches, and mentors, and my students and clients. What do you think is the most important value to have as a man? I'm going to say really it's growth mindset. All right. Last one. What is your unique superpower? Mm. My unique superpower is this ability that I have had and honed my whole life, which is this ability to connect with somebody, draw out of them their strengths, help them to magnify their strengths, and then help them to transform and transcend their limitations so that they take action and fulfill what it is they came here to do. Awesome, man. And last but not least, where can people follow you, find you, work with you, hear more of what you've got? I'm just going to give a couple super simple ways to find me. Podcast that I have is called You Are the Superhero, and it's all about business and life. And you can come check out there, You Are the Superhero. And then I also have a lot of great content that I'm putting into my Facebook group, Dharmapreneurs, Superheroes in Business and Life. And that's like entrepreneur with the word Dharma, which is a Sanskrit word that means, you know, your sacred duty, your higher purpose. So yeah, Dharmapreneurs, superheroes in business and life. Hit me up at the Facebook group. You can come in, hang out with us and just have a good time. Beautiful, man. Well, Damien, I appreciate you making time to be on here today. Appreciate you sharing some of your wisdom. And I look forward to catching up with you further down the road, man. Clearly, we've got a lot we need to talk about. Man, this has been so great. Thank you so much for having me. All right, fam, I hope you enjoyed that one. Make sure you go and give Damien a follow. He's an awesome dude doing some incredible stuff in the world. And while you're at it, make sure you go to risingman.org and check out all the amazing things we got going on over there. For access to links and resources mentioned in this episode and all of our episodes, check out the show notes there at risingman.org as well. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the rising man movement. Follow us on Instagram at rising man movement. Big love to my power team, Julian, Sean, Rowan, Ryan, Mark, and Kyle. Much love to you guys. Appreciate everything you're doing until next time. Rise up and claim your destiny.